0: Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Risk and Reward, the golf podcast from Winning Edge Investments that aims to keep you on the right side of the betting ledger. I'm Rod Murray, good to have your company for this weekly journey into the world of golf and betting where we aim to identify the best value odds from across the world's golf tours. Now I've got to be honest, I've used the, we, the word we fairly liberally in that previous sentence because the truth is I have nothing to do with the selecting of the golfers each week, though I do serve a purpose if it wasn't for me. This would just be a chat that nobody gets to hear because my co-host, John Evans, with all due respect, would struggle with the technicalities of capturing the audio in a digital fashion. Thankfully, though, we all play to our strengths here at Winning Edge Investments, so J.E. sticks to the tipping and I stick to the hosting, and the end result is a podcast that hopefully you are enjoying listening to. Now, I've said his name enough times. Let's bring him into the conversation and at least give him a chance to defend himself. J.E., welcome as always. Up nice and early today to fit in with my busy schedule. Thank you for doing that. How are things in sunny New Zealand?
1: Well, the sun is shining, um, but I must have a riposte. It. <laughs> yes. It's quite simply this. It's actually the 20th podcast.
0: Oh, is that episode 20? There you go. So, if I was so inclined, I could edit, and it would be like that up, mistake never happened, Jay. Wouldn't it be nice if we could do that in life? But I'm going to leave it there for posterity. It's my first mistake since 87, so I was glad you could be here for it.
1: <laughs> exactly. But, and, and I'll look after the mathematics, and you'll look after the... Uh, <laughs> The verbal, uh,
0: Di- gymn- yeah, <laughs> gymnastics, diarrhea, diatribe, whatever you, uh, whatever you choose. Like I said, Jay, we all play to our strengths here at Winning Edge Investments, which is what it's. All about. Uh, Good to have you aboard. Before we come to your success from last week, J.E., as always, a quick sponsor's message. The sponsor being Winning Edge Investments and the product being the monthly golf newsletter, which is the result of your hard work. Now, as an inducement for sitting through our weekly offering here on the podcast, there is a reward, and it comes in the form of discounted access to the Winning Edge Golf newsletter. It's normally $150 a month, but for podcast listeners, a 25% discount. So that brings it down to just $112.50. Per month, That's a pretty good deal, but there is a bonus as well, as regular listeners will know. Sign up for three or 12 months, and the newsletter comes with a profit guarantee. If you follow the staking plan and don't come out in front, you actually have nothing to lose. There's links in the show notes to help you sign up. Use the promo code GOLF25, and you'll get that exclusive podcast discount. Let's get on with today's show, J.E. I don't want to go any further without allowing you some time to bask in the glory of what was a winning week last week. Talk us through uh, the Winning Edge Investments Golf Newsletter victory uh, over
1: the past weekend? Well we as you know um, and as you've explained so succinctly previously (coughs) excuse me um, the the aim of the exercise is to win over a period of a year and we uh, we do that continuously by providing two or three long priced winners or sometimes more than that in an annual period but in the last probably ten weeks we've Gone to a, an additional tipping area for our subscribers, the top twenty bets, and it's been, uh, I would say, very successful in principle. We've this week's a great example. We've had a win, and we haven't tipped the winner, mm-hmm. but we but we have tipped um, a number of top twenty picks, and last week we. Picked only one of, of, of our six or seven picks uh, in America uh, at $10 came in, um, Benny Crane, and that was very handy because that reduced our liability to less than one unit. But in the other area, and I think this is worth discussion, in, in Europe, there was a minimum field of 60 players, so we only had to get top 20 out of 60 players. And we managed to achieve that with five or six of our seven or eight picks all running in the top 20. And that sort of brings me to an interesting situation, which we'll keep note of, Rod, next year, is the limited field events. There's definitely a reduction in the win prices by the bookies, but the top 20 seem to escape. So um, I'm going to keep. Is that, is that an well, oversight,
0: I, JE, on the the part of the bet, or, or are they trying to entice more money into that market? That's, of course, the bookie's tool, isn't it? The odds is what entices the money in. Do you think that's a deliberate ploy, or do you think they've simply missed it at this point?
1: Well, the bet fair is it doesn't quite work like that. Although there is some suspicion that they do set the odds for the win, but but for the for the top twenty market, the odds are set by the punters who wish to punt and and the layers who wish to lay. In other words. The people who, uh, and there and there are large corporates who do this, they wish to be the bookies uh, betting against punters all over the world. And I just think that uh, they haven't caught up. I just think that that's a market that they haven't studied carefully. And as a result, there's what you might consider to be a considerable opportunity. I mean, we made 5.9 units on the uh on that event last week and uh that's a
0: hell of a return, isn't it? I mean it doesn't sound like an enormous amount when you say five point nine units, but five a- hundred and
1: nine dollars to a hundred dollar punter, that's right. It's uh, five
0: thousand pretty- nine
1: hundred to a to a one thousand dollar punter and 59000 and, and fifty nine thousand to a ten ten thousand 10, $10, dollar punter and there are quite a few of these guys running around. So so it's it's substantial and uh and where we can get an edge that's what this whole podcast and principle of winning edge investments is. Uh, I'm i I'm a great believer in this is it's not about picking winners. It's about finding value continuously and the winners flow. It's a bit like playing professional golf is don't worry about the result, work on the process. And so I'm doing that here. I continuously work on the process. I'm looking for an edge. I'm looking for a, an odds, uh, anomaly and, um, and and so far we've managed to find it. And last week was a real, it was a beauty. So um, I'm, I'm excited by that because uh, we might tone down our number of top 20 picks uh, during the year um, because whilst it's profitable, it's not hu- hugely profitable, we might tone down the number of picks, maybe have half as many picks during the year. But when it comes down to the end of the year, Where the fields minimised down to 120, then to 70, then to 30, we might go in with um, with even with more picks, and uh, uh, as long as of course uh, the market doesn't catch up, which it inevitably will. But but, but in the meantime, let's take advantage of a situation that perhaps we are the only people who don't exist.
0: Yeah, that's. I was about to say, Joe. Of course, there's always been betting on golf. That's not a new thing. It's probably a little bit newer in the American market, but certainly here in Australia, in the UK, it's not a new thing. But is golf betting perhaps a little less sophisticated than other forms? When you think of betting, you immediately think of horse racing, don't you? That's the, the And when you think of sports betting, you think of the major codes. Is golf perhaps just a little less sophisticated? Are we seeing, a? a as you say, I, I suspect it will catch up fairly quickly?
1: Well, the, the, the betting market on racehorses, if you go back to, say, before the Earl of Derby in the 17th 19th centuries, the betting was conducted by intermediaries like bookmakers, uh, and the bookmakers set the market. And it's it's a very mature business. I mean, you look at Australia, phenomenal number of races uh, daily and annually, and uh, the 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 racing market is very sophisticated. The golf business is a bit different. The golf gambling was always you playing me or Tom Morris playing. Um, uh, Willie Park, mm-hmm. and it was player to player. There wasn't an intermediary, although sometimes there were spectators who would bet against each other at, during the event. But it was was rarely there was there a bookmaker walking around with them who was who was making a book and taking the odds from both sides. So I think that part of it is is relatively new, and mm-hmm. there's never been a top. I mean, there was always an each way market for. Um, for betting on golf, uh, top five, perhaps. So this top ten and top twenty markets, they're relatively new, and so perhaps that's why this is not as mature a market as, as you say, which I think is a fantastic analogy, is the racing market. Mm. Just incidentally, golf gambling really only started in the eighteen sixties because Alan Robertson used to beat everybody, and so, <laughs> so
0: what's to bet on? <laughs>
1: Nobody wanted to bet. you see that the the bookies wouldn't have turned up because it would have been a dollar one, one allen and uh, and and forty dollars the other side. So it was only when Alan Robertson died and he held the course record at St Andrews for thirty years, being the first player to shoot break eighty, he shot seventy nine with a with a feathery. So it was only after that and then all of a sudden Tom Morris became perhaps the best player, Tom Morris became the best player, and then it became more competitive. And so then there were significant matches. they are talking about playing for 100 pounds a side yeah. in 1860. That's a lot of money.
0: And marathon matches, Jay, they would play four, five, six rounds, wouldn't they, at, at two different courses or three different courses perhaps. They were an exhibition combined with the betting, and the betting was what really fueled it. You see some of the old paintings of uh, and, and photographs and stories of those matches and huge crowds of people following the and. and no shortage of controversy. I'm sure you're familiar with the story of old Tom going into Mrs Foreman's pub and refusing to come back out because the crowd were messing with his golf ball and his match against Willie Park, I think it was.
1: Yeah, well, that's happened. Uh, that happened at the World Cup in, uh, I think, in South America when they kicked um, David Graham's ball into the rough. So the... So, so people haven't learnt much,
0: have they? They're still, they're still their same tricks. No, that's exactly right. You, it, it, as soon as you get the betting involved, the integrity in golf tends to go down a notch or two, uh, as it does with the see yeah, Fantastic stuff. And if everybody is interested in golf, it's a fascinating period of golf history, isn't it, J.E.? In fact, in many ways, I, I I wish we had something somewhat similar today. Big celebrity golfers playing one-on-one matches with big crowds, Different vibe to what we see today. Today's golf is exciting in its own way, but my goodness, can you imagine McIlroy v Woods head-to-head on a fairly regular basis for for large sums of money and much of it their own?
1: Well, it should be their own. That's the trick. Absolutely. The the, the trick, trick, there's a huge difference in pressure playing for your own. And, And I guess the best pressure player of all was Lee Trevino, who used to turn up regularly to play for large sums of money and didn't have any.
0: Yeah, What was he saying, Jay? You don't know pressure till you've played for $10 with five in your pocket.
1: <laughs> no, and I'll tell you, I did that on numerous occasions. Johnny Sheargold was the pro at the Lakes, and we used to go out to play at New South Wales with the Lavender Hill mob. And he'd say, How much money have you got? I said, I haven't got any. He said, You know, what are you going to play for? I said, Oh, we can play for a thousand. He said, What happens if you lose? <laughs> haven't considered that. <laughs>
0: That's no way to think. (laughs) Dear, oh dear, wonderful stuff. We might get you to expand on some of those stories one day. Though not today, because we must get on with it. Congratulations mate, terrific week last week. Well done to you, and as you say, you found that little sort of uh, loophole there for the moment, so we'll keep exploring that. But just like in golf, J.E., like the birdie you made at the last hole, it counts for nothing when you get to the next tee. We are on the next tee in betting terms, ready to go again for this week. Where do you want to start, and who are we going to tip?
1: Well, we're going to start at the, uh, at the Alfred Dunhill Championship, which is uh, interesting. There's two Dunhill championships. There's the, there's the Lynx Championship, which is held in Scotland, and then there's the Alfred Dunhill Championship held towards the end of the year in South Africa. And, uh, and that uh, is a sort of a, you'd say, almost a second tier event, almost a challenge to a quality uh, uh, group of players. obviously some very good uh, US uh, sorry, European Tour players and some Australian tour players, but it's not at the top level. And I found one here who has been at the top level, Gregory Havre, who was very unlucky to be beaten in the US Open at Pebble Beach. Agreed. And he's, he is, uh, he's at $380 in this, um, which I thought was unbelievable odds. And I'll tell you what his record is. He finished second in the qualifying school and prior to that, he made four cuts at one one top ten, two top twenty fives, and he has just finished second, playing very well in the uh, in the qualifying tournament. So that, I that's thought- real pressure, it was- isn't it?
0: The, the Q school is real pressure. you're playing for your your next year's livelihood.
1: Well, that's he's Gregory's shown that he had, can handle pressure, yeah. and that and that he gets into a position. I just thought that was that was three eighty stood out to me. So I've got him. Yep. My second pick is Garth Mulroy, and uh, he's an interesting character. Oh, hello, my system's breaking down here. I <laughs> sounds sounds like
0: somebody's at the door, Jay.
1: Here we are. Here we are. We are. It's uh, it's uh, Grant Grant Forrest. Mm-hmm. Oh, No.
0: On my list that you sent me, you've got Grant Forrest, Garth Mulroy's on the Garth list, but he wasn't Mulroy. supposed to be for podcast Pete, but you've let that slip now.
1: Oh, well, okay, well, let's go down to Garth. Mulroy. It was Garth Mulroy, wasn't
0: it? Garth Mulroy at four hundred and forty, so that's a that's a bonus bet there for podcast Pete. But Grant Forrest okay, is the one that you originally yeah,
1: look, picked. I'll be shot for that. I'll be shot for that. But anyway, we'll get over it. Now here we are, Garth Mulroy. Right now, Garth Mulroy, two top twenties in the last five starts, has one here, run third here. And run twelfth here on this course in this tournament. Wow. So Garth Mulroy, four hundred and forty dollars.
0: That's generous, isn't it?
1: A first, a third and a twelfth on this tournament, and uh tenth two weeks ago. So um I thought that was um, significant. So that's why I've got Garth in there at um at the odds. I do there's another guy here I've picked, I think, did I? I think I put him down for you?
0: Grant Dylan. Forrest. Dylan. No, okay. no Grant Forrest. Settle down, you're Uh giving it all away, Jay.
1: No, 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 I definitely want this one to be out there, Dylan Cock. Dylan Cock is the last player into the field. Here's his record, 7th, ninth, 3rd, 28th, 7th, miscut, miscut, 6th. Now, that's probably in South African events, Mm -hmm. but Dylan Cock's a young man and he's at $1,000. So Dylan Cock gets in there. Uh, Because I just thought that, well, this could be the one we pluck, uh, as we have done in the past from nowhere, with unbelievably consistent um, uh, form patterns. And
0: not a um, a huge step up in class from the Sunshine Tour, as you say, he's probably been playing in South Africa. Still in South Africa, so playing at home, got that comfort. A lot of the guys in this field he would have beaten before, so he won't be out of his comfort zone. I agree with you, I think that's an excellent value bet, $1,000 for a a local player in that sort of form in essentially a local event with a couple of imported uh, bigger name players.
1: Yeah, no, no. I just thought he was one that uh, yeah. that you that you that, you know he's a guy that that uh, that could be the, um, um, the sort of Matthew Wolf of this at this level. You know, yeah. obviously he hasn't got to come up as many levels as those boys did, but it, but form is everything. I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Golf's a confidence game, and you can jump levels if you're in form, and this kid obviously is. Yep, indeed.
0: All right. Top twenty bets, J E.
1: Top twenty bets. Okay. Well I think I got did I put in Thomas Bjorn?
0: You didn't. You uh you've well you did, yeah, but you, you didn't put I'm him in for podcast I, Pete <laughs> previously.
1: Better tell me who they are. Okay, I've
0: got, you've got Dylan Cock, or Coke as it's probably you now, $34 for the top 20, which based on that $1,000 for the win seems pretty uh, pretty generous. Garth Mulroy you've got for the top 20 is at $10.50. But the one I'm intrigued by, Ben Polk at $5.60. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about Ben Polk. Why have you put him in the top 20 bets?
1: Well, Ben Polk, uh, we talked about Gregory Havre, second in the US Open, Very good form, ran second in the qualifying event. Ben Polk won the qualifying event by eight strokes.
0: Wow, okay. (laughs) So, if you want four players...
1: Ben Polk stood out at the qualifying event, which which is for the European Tour, and as we've seen, neophytes coming onto these tours... You've got to watch out for them. So here he is. He only has to have a half-decent performance, and he'll be under $100 every week. So I just thought, right, hey, we've got Ben Ben Polk in here. Um, One by eight strokes, big odds, and that's why he's in there.
0: Yep, absolutely, and well done to that. All right, uh, let's move on. Not a lot of golf on this week. Of course, the U.S. tour has finished. The Hong Kong Open, which was supposed to be played this week, was cancelled. So, less, uh, less tournaments on. Let's quickly zip over to Japan before we come more local for the New South Wales Open, where I happen to be sitting, Jay, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Japanese tour this week. You've got a couple of picks there.
1: Yeah, Toro Taniguchi. Um, it, look, it's not easy, the Casio tour. There's, there's quite a lot of Australians play that tour, and a couple of Kiwis, and they regularly feature but they also are very short in, in the market. And, and I think that's because it actually takes you a hell of a long time to sort through this. If you're not a Japanese uh, person, used to Japanese names, it takes a damn long time to find them. <laughs> so, so going through the list, you see all of a sudden you see um, Michael Hendry. say, oh, well, there you go, I'll back him. But I've gone a bit deeper into the uh, inquiry department and I've come up with Toro Taniguchi, who in this tournament – has run fifth and sixth and who has not been in great form recently but made a couple of cuts and i just thought that he was sixth here two years ago just might pop up at the big odds of $930. Yeah. So I've thrown three in there at big odds, and, and, and Toro stood out as uh, the best value of all Yep, yeah.
0: good, good player, and good players are only ever one swing away from finding it again when they're having a bad patch, aren't they, J.E.? So that can happen on the first tee Thursday morning sometimes, or the driving range. So, yes, that's uh, that's generous odds for a very well-credentialed player. Now, I mentioned that New South Wales Open, Jay, the Twin Creeks Golf and Country Club, I'm actually working out here this week covering the tournament for the tournament organisers, golf New South Wales so I'll give them a tip of the hat fantastic a lot we don't see a lot of live golf in Australia J.E. and every time when the summer rolls around and this is the first event on the schedule it's always such a joy just to be a part of the atmosphere here I'm looking to my right I can see the driving range and players warming up and the chipping area and straight ahead is the first tee and you can hear players being announced summer golf is here for us J.E. which is fantastic I know you're coming over for the the President's Cup but uh, my goodness, golf on TV is one thing, but golf at the course is something else entirely, isn't it? What a fantastic way to spend a day.
1: Well, I know that you're a, a great enthusiast for the Australian game and, and, and your, your articles in the Australian Golf Magazine demonstrate that. I think that um, you obviously love it out there and, and and got up at 4 o'clock to get there, which, <laughs> which is something you wouldn't have caught me doing, but it's a brilliant... It, I think it is great, and I can remember going out to the tournaments um particularly when you were playing early and there weren't many people around and the, the feel of the golf course and the and the stands and the and the, the leaderboards and the whole thing it's an atmosphere which i think is um is uh, quite exciting and 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 and, and i i'm going to try and get to the Aussie open because um i always enjoy doing that and uh but whether i can make it or not i'm not sure but at this stage I, I, i'm uh, quite keen but i'm definitely going to be at the president's cup and i've got my I've got my schedule. I've never seen Tiger Woods play.
0: J.E., you're in for a treat, I can tell you.
1: Well, I'm going to do that. Wait, eighteen holes. Even if I can't walk, I'll get a, I'll get a, uh, a walking frame or something. And, you can borrow uh, his J.E. A...
0: He's had four back surgeries. He'll have some sort of walking assistant nearby. <laughs> <laughs> the two he'll of you can.
1: gobbling around. He'll say, "Do
0: you want to? help helping the Trundle son?" That's exactly right. Here's a card for my, uh, my back surgeon. He'll fix you up. It's, uh, no, it is a real buzz. I will just say before we come to the, to the betting. I know the, the, the tournament's already started, but you can still bet uh, during play. Here, obviously, if players haven't hit off this tier of event, the New South Wales Open is nowhere near as big as the Australian Open of course, particularly this year where we'll have a lot of very big name international players in the field, courtesy of the President's Cup the following week. But this level of tournament is fantastic to come to as a spectator. If you're a fan of the game and you want to see good players up close here and the Vic Open down in Melbourne, you get access and you get a view and you get to to walk near the players and watch the game in a way you don't get to anywhere else when there's gallery ropes all over the place. We've got some players here this week, Jay Minwoo Lee is here, I interviewed him yesterday. to watch him play golf, if you're a golf fan, there's just an unbridled joy about it. You you can't get it from television. And to follow him for a few holes is just fantastic. So anybody who's in Sydney who's considering or maybe on the fence about coming out, do come out. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic experience to come and watch golf at this level. And people don't understand, J.E., how good these players are because they haven't heard of a lot of them. Doesn't mean they can't play. There's some serious talent on show
1: here. Minwood Lee, I don't, know, he, 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 I, don't, I don't think he's kept his card in Europe. And he
0: missed one, out by missed out by a shot or two. He'll have 15 or 20 starts next year, but he didn't get the full card that he was hoping for. But He started in January with no status, so that's a fair effort for a young bloke in his rookie year, I think. For a well, he's, a good,
1: he's a very, very good player, and I know that. I know Michael Clayton rates him very highly. I, I, I think, uh, I think if, I'd like to see him contend here and, and maybe even win the tournament, although I haven't tipped him, but he was pretty short, but uh, I'd like to see him win because winning here just might help him get yep. a few more starts in Europe. So yep. let's, hope, let's hope so. He's, he's a very talented player. Right.
0: He's on the verge of something quite big possibly in the next four weeks here, the Australian Open and the Australian PGA, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him get across the line at one or even more of them. But as you said, you haven't tipped him. Who have you tipped for this New South Wales Open, Jay? Interesting fields these, aren't they? If you If you know your local golf, there is value in these markets.
1: Well, there was a young fella called Bruce Crampton who used to work for uh, Billy McWilliam at Beverly Park. And a, and, a, and after Bruce, who was a world-class player and I think finished second in about four or five majors, another young bloke called Colin Arnold went to work for t- for Billy McWilliam. And Billy McWilliam thought that he was more talented than Bruce Crampton. Wow. And Colin was a wonderful swinger um, and still is a very good player. I think he's the mine host of Pro at Cronulla in uh, south, uh, south Sydney. And he's got two sons. And they're showing... Uh, uh, Jamie, Jamie Arnold's got his uh, Corn Ferry Tour card and has, has played very well there. But I haven't tipped him. I know Colin's a very old friend of mine, but I've tipped his Jamie's brother, Scott. And the reason is that Jamie's about... Sixteen dollars, and Scotty's five hundred and eighty, I think. Yep, 580, 580, yeah, five hundred and eighty, yeah. Five hundred and eighty dollars, and Scotty Arnold was the number one amateur in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was significantly better than Jamie at that stage, which is not that long ago. It might be seven or eight years ago. Um, he hasn't quite had the same success as Jamie, but he's finished. 18th in this tournament last year he's he's made the cut two out of his last three events finished in the top 25 in one of them so i just thought scotty arnold represented the value and as we know forms temperature temporary classes permanent scotty arnold just might come out of the shadow of jamie arnold in this one event and that's why i put him in there Absolutely. Yep.
0: Uh, couldn't agree with you more. And you're right. Very good player. Had a few niggling injuries the last couple of years, I think, which has sort of kept him off the World Tours. He was a very good Challenge Tour player for a while there. He was on a very good trajectory on the Challenge Tour. Won on the Challenge Tour in Europe. i going to say four or five years ago, but I think he's had a couple of niggling injuries which have uh, sort of stalled his progress. So you're right. Uh, could uh, Could be one of those who turns it around with one swing on the driving range this very morning. I may even be sitting here while it's happening, J.E. Who knows? The beauty of... Live golf. You've got one other tip here for podcast, Pete Taylor Cooper. It's a name not many will be familiar with. Why has he got the nod from J.E.
1: Before I go into that, um, uh, years ago when I was uh, when I was owned Evans Golf, I was asked by Tommy Linsky to give uh, ten sets of clubs to his troop, um, which included some very good players. Ian Roberts won a Tasmanian Open. Uh, he was probably the best of them, but there were quite a few good, very good players. And one of them was James Cooper, not K, with a C O O P E R from, from Sydney. And another one was Phil Baird, who's mine host pro at Manly and a very, very close friend of mine. And he has James Cooper's son, Taylor, working at Manly Golf Club with him. Taylor's a player of extraordinary ability. I played with him. First day I played with him, he drove it on the first screen on the full at Manly, the par four, about 350 yards. Oh, that's correct. This kid can hit. And anyway, Taylor Cooper, the other day, was out at Terry Hills playing off the black tees and he shot seven under par. And Phil Baird ran me and said, Taylor's showing a bit of ability. And then he went to the pre qualifying for this event that you were down there now, and he shot eight under par in the pre qualifying and won the pre qualifying. So Taylor's a player who I think um, has always had tremendous talent, shot some, a lot of low numbers. He played quite well in this event. I think it might have been at Riverside Oaks last year, wasn't it?
0: Uh, I was here at Twin Creeks as well. It's been here. This is the third year here at Twin Creeks. Okay. Well,
1: he played well early on in this this event last year. I remember. I think he might have even led after the first round. So Taylor Cooper at nine hundred and thirty dollars, a young man with extraordinary talent. Um, Phil Baird's helped him a great deal uh, with his management, his golf course management, and. Uh he's a hope of our side. I mean, it would be a great story if young Taylor could uh, do very well here, given my connection to his father and his boss.
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be a low-scoring week here, J.E. It's very firm and fast, and players are driving it quite close to a lot of the greens, so a lot of short irons uh, and whatnot, as I think I, I sort of said earlier. So that should suit him. 15 under for 36 holes. You, I don't care what course you're playing at, J.E. <laughs> that, that's real ability, isn't it? Not many can do that sort of thing.
1: No, now, I do want to uh, just make one point about Betfair. Uh, this tournament has started,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, whilst you would think that the odds would be gone, they haven't. Uh, the ones who haven't started yet, the odds will be pretty much the same. If they have started, or anyway, you, you have to ring up and talk to the people at Betfair.
0: uh uh-huh, you can't I'll do it on
1: you, the computer, yeah. I'm going to give you their number. This oh, okay. is in their number is 132238. If you ring that number, uh, you can then get set during the run, and you can do that every, all during the tournament.
0: 132238. Uh, I'm going to put that in the show notes. In fact, I'll probably put that in the show notes each week from now on.
1: Uh, for people where, well, it's, a, it's certainly relevant to Australian subscribers. Uh, Kiwi subscribers and English subscribers don't have to worry because they can bet in the run uh, by but without breaching their country's laws but you can't in australia so we should be make people aware that they can still get on this event uh, with our picks uh, at the odds we've 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 suggested until they hit off in which case the, the, they'll almost go into uh, into slowdown but but until they hit off you can get on and um, uh, and during the run we might send out a as we do normally if, if we get one of our players, playing well and they reduce their price dramatically, we go in and put a lay bet in and and uh, to all our subscribers, they get those bets immediately and they can then ring up and put that lay bet on uh, in the hope that they'll get hit and, and therefore amortise their, their situation, give just themselves a win even if they don't win.
0: Just one of the advantages of being a subscriber... J.E., regular communications from you after the golf starts. Uh, I can tell you that by the time this goes out, Taylor Cooper will be probably on the course. Scott Arnold, maybe not. He's teeing off early this afternoon, one of the last groups out at 1.25 p.m. I'm going to go out and have a look at Taylor Cooper now that you've given me that information, J.E. And to do that, we're going to have to say goodbye to you so that I can get this edited, uploaded, and get back to the golf. Great to catch up, J.E. Hope to see you at the Australian Open next week. That would be fantastic, mate. Good on
1: you. Thanks, Rod, and, um, and we'll do it no matter what. Absolutely. Episode
0: 19 or 20 in the books. We're not sure which one yet. I'll have to go and check. Whichever it is, good to have your company for it. Look forward to catching up again next week here on Risk and More.